0: Passing those around, you can turn to the Gospel of John. We're going to start there, looking at some stuff this morning. We just kind of came off of our family series. We hope that um, you enjoyed that, and it really kind of maybe gave you some nuggets to really be, um, you know, praying about and and you know just seeking God about you know how you you can move forward and see God do uh, some greater things in your family. But let's, uh, this this morning we're starting a new series uh, called The Holy Spirit, and we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit and um, really kind of looking at many different aspects of the Holy Spirit, and that's kind of what we're going to go into as we kind of move into into March and then in, into April when we get into, you know, Easter and all of the, the kind of things that kind of come along with that, um, I really felt led this year in particular to you know, I've I've preached before on the Holy Spirit, but it was always kind of like a one-and-done thing. And it's never been kind of like an extended series on, uh, you know, the involvement of the Holy Spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, you know, he kind of, and, and I've made mention of this before, he, he kind of becomes the forgotten member of the Trinity. He's kind of like the crazy uncle in the family, you know, all of those kinds of things, and we kind of, you know, Think about the Holy Spirit, and and you know, depending on what kind of circle you are from and background you you are from, you know, it largely will determine you know maybe how you think about the Holy Spirit or what you think about the Holy Spirit, you know. And we have um, even you know there are, are even large denominations or even large um, you know non denominational churches that that even have it within you know their their I guess bylaws or their you know, church structure that that they don't really want the Holy Spirit moving in the service or doing anything in the service because they feel like that that'll create more confusion than it does answers and all of these kinds of things. And it's a really weird thing, a really really weird time that we live in when we, we're we're taking a member of the Trinity, a, a third of the Godhead, and we're saying, you know what, we need to kind of like tone this little part of God down a little bit. Uh, Maybe we don't want him breaking loose and doing, you know, whatever. And, and I understand that a lot of part of that is because there's been abuse of sorts, maybe uh, in recent church history where things maybe were kind of uh, done out of line or done out of context, um, you know, all under the name of the Holy Spirit. But just because, you know, uh, you have uh, bad bathwater doesn't mean you throw the baby out with it, right? okay And there's a lot of There's a lot of uh, maybe what you would say is, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of theology about that uh, out there where people have gone um, and and taken this this thought or this this word or this idea. And they've taken it all the way over here to this extreme and and really kind of in a sense abused that theology or, or that, you know, particular belief system. To such a degree that what happens is is outside of that abuse is birth another movement that kind of swings the pendulum all the way back over here to the other side and and the truth is is that there 's truth on both sides um, and and there 's error on both sides and the and the key in our life is to make sure that we find the middle we find you know where it is that we 're what the scripture has to say so when you um, You know, when you talk about, you know, things like the name it, claim it gospel or the, you know, health, wealth and prosperity or whatever gospel. Well, you know, there has been abuse, you know, on one end, but there's there's elements in the scripture that actually support a lot of the things that that they believe. They just kind of take. Well, they don't they don't consider other scripture, which balances it out. Right. And then you have, you know, the other end of the pendulum where people, you know, will condemn uh, preachers to hell like you know because or, or or certain people to hell because they believe in in certain aspects of the bible and it's all because of of this abuse so you got to understand that that there's a there's a line and, and we're talking about the holy spirit and what i want to do my goal over the next several weeks is to really kind of throw this out there so that we can understand fully what the bible has to say about the holy spirit and his role in our life there's two there's two, primarily, two primary um, experiences that we have uh, with the Holy Spirit as a believer. One is his indwelling presence um, or infilling presence. And the other is, or no, the, other, the one is his indwelling presence and the other is his infilling power. Okay, so one is his indwelling presence. And the second one is his infilling power. And one of the things that we'll look at in Scripture over the next couple weeks is that those are actually two separate experiences uh, with the Holy Spirit that we all, you know, can have, all right? So that's where we're going to go. We're going to get in here here in a second. But before I get there, I heard a story about three boys. Three boys in a schoolyard. And they were bragging... Each one of the boys were bragging about their fathers. You know, my daddy can beat up your daddy, you know, that kind of thing, right? Okay. Um, The first boy says, my dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper. Then he calls it a poem and they give him $50. The second boy says, well, that's nothing. My dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper. He calls it a song and they give him $100. And then the third boy, obviously not to be outdone by the first two boys, said, I've got both of you beat. My dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper. He calls it a sermon. It takes eight people to collect all the money. All right. That's what I'm doing here today. I scribbled a few words. I'm calling it a sermon, but we've already taken the offering. So anyways. Anyways. What we're going to do is we're going to look in John chapter 14, and looking in John chapter 14 and 16, and what we're doing here is we're taking a a look at uh, the words of Jesus, what Jesus had to say about the Holy Spirit and stuff. So if you want to turn with me, John chapter 14, um, verse 15 to 17, starting in verse 15, it says, "'If you love me, you will keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper.' to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells within you and will be in you, okay? So there's um, the first one right there. And we go a little bit further on in this particular passage. And um, in in verse 25, it says, in these things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. All right? Peace, I leave with you my peace. I give to you not as the world gives. Do I give to you? Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And then if you were to go over to John chapter 16, starting in verse 7, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage, okay? Yes, Lord. All right. Um, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, and he, when he comes, he will convict the world regarding sin. In righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. um, And you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. All right? So here are three passages where Jesus, here talking in the Gospel of John, talking about the Holy Spirit, and he's telling his disciples He's saying, listen, I'm going to go away, and when I go away, I'm going to send a helper to you. This helper is going to come to you, and he is going to teach you all things, and and show you, and bring back to remembrance. And and Jesus even goes to us as far as saying, it is good that I go away. And I know that, that, you know, in that particular moment, we think, you know, with all the things that Jesus was doing. Think about all of the miracles and the things that happened in Jesus' life and, and the, thing, the good things that he did to the people around him. And yet Jesus is telling his disciples, like, hey, this is a good thing that I'm going away. And the reason why it was going to be a good thing is because uh, Jesus was basically going to, in a way, he wants to multiply himself within all of us so that we can all be like little Jesus walking around the earth, all right? And he does that by sending the Holy Spirit, okay, who comes to reside in us. Now, if you look throughout the course of biblical history, one of the things that we will see throughout this, uh, throughout this time is that God, in, in a way, You know, you have, you know, Adam and Eve were in the beginning and they walked with God just like, you know, any of us would walk and hang out to you. Adam and Adam would walk, hang out with them, talk with them. And sin changed that. Sin separated us from God. And from that moment on, throughout the course of history, we see God working in such a way to get closer and closer and closer to man. Okay? So what he does is in the beginning, he creates this sacrificial um, you know, system by which you know, their sins could be covered. He comes to reside inside of a, maybe like a tent of meeting or maybe it's a burning bush or it's a pillar of fire or a cloud cover or whatever. When they move into the promised land, they build a temple. And the Bible says the Shekinah glory of God came inside the temple and the priests, there were selected people that, that could go in and make sacrifices before the Lord. For all the people. And so in a sense that while, while God was separated from them, he was living amongst them. His presence was amongst them inside of this, of this building, inside of this temple. And then we know things changed when God became a man. He became Emmanuel, right? And so now it wasn't God in a building. It was God in the flesh. And now God is walking and talking and breathing amongst us in the form of Jesus, and he's walking around, and he's performing all these miracles, and he's doing all these incredible feats, right? But that still wasn't close enough. Because what about all the people that worked around Jesus in the time that Jesus was alive? So what he had to do, what Jesus had to do, and what through the wisdom of God knew, is that, that, that Jesus had to go, become the ultimate sacrifice okay, so that he could destroy the power of sin and the power of death right? so that our spirit could be made live again, so could be reborn, and the Holy Spirit then would be set to dwell within all of us. And now God has gotten as close as he possibly can be. He's not in a building. He's not in one man walking around. He lives within all of us. He, all right, he can't get any closer than what he possibly is right now. And this is what Jesus was saying here. Um, that it's going to be a good thing that I go away. It's going to be a good thing because I'm going to send the helper. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit is going to come. And he's going to come and he's going to dwell within you. And he's going to be, he's going to work in this world. And like John chapter 16 says that he's going to convict the world of three things. Of guilt righteousness, and judgment, all right? The Holy Spirit's gonna convict the world of three things, guilt, righteousness, and judgment. Guilt, it says, he, he convicts the world of guilt because men believe not in me, right? All right? Uh, he convicts the world of guilt because men, it's not, he doesn't convict the world of guilt because they do a bunch of bad things, right? He convicts the world of guilt because they don't believe in Christ. Um, To be born again, you don't have to to confess all of your sins, okay? If you look at, um, if you do a study just on confession and what the Bible has to say about confession, you'll find four different confessions in in the scripture. Uh, The Jews' confessions of sin, uh, the sinner's confession of Christ, the believer's confession of sin and the believer's confession of faith, all right? So um, it, the sinner's confession of sin, is it, we find in Romans, it says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It doesn't say if you will confess with your mouth all of your bad deeds, all of your sins, and believe in your heart in Jesus, then you will be saved. No, it says... Um, that as a as a sinner, the unbeliever, the only thing that they need to confess is that Jesus is Lord. You see, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works in the world to convict the world of sin because they believe not in Jesus. It's not convicting the world of sin because of all the bad, all the sins that they do, but it's because they believe not in Jesus. It's the confession that Jesus is Lord and the belief in the heart that God raised him from the dead that produces salvation. And then we find in 1 John where it says, If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all your unrighteousness. 1 John was writing to the church. That means when he was writing to the church, he was writing to the believers. That means we as believers, when we sin, we are to confess our sins. Say, God, I am sorry for this sin that I have committed because we're no longer living in sin anymore, okay? Even though we, we may do things we shouldn't do, all right? So the Holy Spirit, one of the Holy Spirit's role in this world is to convict the, the world of the fact that they believe not in Jesus, all right? His, his role in the, in the life of the unbeliever is to convict them that they believe not in Jesus. You see, every person is born again because God or the, or the Holy Spirit spoke and we responded, okay? Every, every single one of us in here today, if you are a Christ follower, it's not because of anything that you did. It's not because you found Jesus or you went out there searching for God and you found him. No, if you are a believer, it's because the Holy Spirit spoke to you in your life and you responded to his voice, Okay. <clears throat> Um, the idea that we found God could be compared to this illustration. Like, all right, so God is chasing you through the woods, and you are running from him. And while you're running from him, you trip over a rock and fall, fall to the ground, and when you look up, God is standing over you, and you're like, oh, hey, I'm so glad I found you. That would be the equivalent of us saying that that you found God, okay? Okay. Uh, we don't. We don't find him. We respond to the Holy Spirit, who who moves within us and calls us. It is a response within us to what God is doing. So, uh, the Bible says that God uh, is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. And that and that God is constantly pursuing all of man. Constantly, the Holy Spirit is constantly working on man uh, and and their. You know, this is the reason why, like, unbelievers, like, they they have no rest, all right? They have no rest because even to the the furthest depths that they could go, there's still unrest inside of their heart because of this nagging thing that something is not right in their life. Because things will not ever be right until we align ourselves with our Maker, right? And, And so this is what the Holy Spirit does. He's convicting the world of guilt. In, in regards to the fact that they believe not in Jesus, all right, in regards to righteousness, and this is his role in the life of the believer, okay, this is his role in the life of the believer, so Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will come and convict the world of righteousness because I, he says, I'm about to go to the Father, this righteousness is, is the issue that, um, the reason why Jesus kind of makes this statement like, I'm going to go to the Father is because for, you know, three and a half years now, Jesus is walking around with the disciples and he's kind of like knocking them over the head every time they do something wrong, right? Stop believing that. Keep behind me, Satan. And he's like, why, why do you doubt? Why don't you have this? And he's, he's constantly having to chastise the disciples because they keep getting doing things wrong. And so Jesus is saying that I'm about to go to the Father, but the Holy Spirit's gonna come and he's gonna convict the world of righteousness. In the the life of the believer, the Holy Spirit's there to convict us of the the error of our ways, the things that we may do that are wrong or inappropriate, right? And that's what he begins to do. And so the Holy Spirit is inside of us so that um, he can lead us and guide us and teach us, okay? so that we can walk in righteousness and and, and, and live the, the appropriate way for God. So the Holy Spirit should be the central person of your life. The Holy Spirit should be the central person of your life, okay? He is uh, our guide now. The Bible says he is your guide. If you do some stuff, even understand it, look... Um, the idea that we are when we are when we pray and we need direction from God, the idea that we would say, "God, if you will do this that way i 'll know that you want me to do this all right that is um, that is old covenant communication with god that 's Old Testament communication with God in the new testament in the new covenant we 're not supposed to ask God for a sign God if you 'll give me a sign then i 'll know now. Does God do that from time to time? Yes, He will do that in our ignorance, but that's not the way that God wants to communicate with us. He wants to communicate with us within our spirit. Okay? So when we are born again, the Bible says the old man is gone, the new has come. All right, that and remember Jesus having the conversation with Nicodemus. He said, um, He said each man should be born of water and of the Spirit. All right, water being born of water is, is natural birth. All right, that we are born of water and then. Born of the Spirit. In other words, that we are, our spirit man is born again on the inside of us. All right. And then when we become born again, we become um, carriers of the Holy Spirit, his indwelling presence. All right. His indwelling presence. Inside life, um, is, is, it, it comes and it becomes, you know, all of these things that Jesus said the Holy Spirit was to become. Okay, everything that we experience from a spiritual perspective in our lives is because of the Holy Spirit. Every victory that we receive, every testing, every breakthrough, every challenge, every triumph, all of these things are things that we receive and experience because the working of the Holy Spirit in our life. Okay? The Christian life is supposed to be a relational journey with the Holy Spirit. And understand something, I'm not trying to, Minimize the place of the Father, or of the Son Jesus, right? But even Jesus, in that time, said that there is going to come a day when we're not going to pray to Jesus anymore. That we would pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, right? So we know that we have this relationship with the Father, but He's given us the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can be a guide to us, can guide us in all things that we do, right? We are to be in a relationship. With him. In Romans chapter 8, if you look in Romans chapter 8, man, you could read through Romans chapter 8, and it has a significant amount of information as it relates to the spirit led life. Those who are supposed to be led by the Spirit, all right? You could just, you could almost take Romans chapter 8 and make it its own book, because it's just, there's so much good stuff in Romans chapter 8 that involves us as believers in our life that we're supposed to live, right? Especially as a relationship with the Holy Spirit, all right? So we're going to turn real quick to Romans uh, chapter 8 and uh, and look at a couple verses, all right? Um, let's see here. Is it, you got it? You got it up here? You got it? They, are we not having, you know, we don't have any words? Okay. <clears throat> um, it says right here, there is, uh, in Romans chapter eight, verse one, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, all right? There's another, um, there are other translations of the Bible, uh, you know, not not an error, obviously, but they add this, this little tag onto the end. It says, uh, for those who walk by um, the, um, those who walk by the Spirit live by the Spirit. It's this idea that, that that those of us, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ that walk according to the Spirit. This idea that, that it's, it's not just this idea that, that, we're, that there can't be ever condemnation in our life but it really throws into this idea that if we walk by the Spirit, there's no reason for us in our life to ever feel condemned about anything that we do when we walk according to the Spirit. If you move on further down, I believe it's, yeah, verse 14, it says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And obviously, this here is talking about the Holy Spirit, all right? Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Did you know that, listen, it is in your nature, it is within your divine nature that God has made you when God recreated you, when he rebirthed you in your spirit. It is in your divine nature to be led by the Spirit, okay? It, it is a part of your nature. It is supposed to be something that comes natural to us to be led by the Holy Spirit of God, okay? Sometimes what happens is it's easy for us to think that being led by the Spirit is this really difficult and complicated thing to obtain, but it really isn't. Um, it's, it's in our born-again nature, and a lot of times what happens is the leading of the Holy Spirit can oftentimes surface itself in just really natural ways, all right? And I'll, I'll give you some as an example. Like, you know, if I like go into my prayer time and I'm praying, and while I'm praying, I'm thinking, you know, all of a sudden this thought comes into my mind like, man, I should reach out to so-and-so and see how they're doing. Now, why, why would that thought come into my mind? Right? Would you think that the devil would be telling me to, to reach out to somebody and see how they're doing? Like, hey, you ought to check on it, ma'am. Maybe they're doing really bad and you can discourage them in all of their bad things. I mean, right? I mean, no. All right. What is it inside of me that would make me think I should reach out to somebody to see how they're doing? All right, or maybe it's something that maybe it's a a task that I forgot to do, and while I'm praying, it's all of a sudden that thought comes back to mind. Like, man, oh, you know, I got to do this, and and I write it down. Or maybe it's a, a, a verse of scripture that comes to me and. and Maybe it's not even in your prayer closet and and you're you're walking around at work, around people that that maybe love God, maybe they don't love God, and and you just have this thought like, man, I I should, uh, they look like they need encouragement today. Well, okay, again, you know, the devil wouldn't be telling you to encourage somebody, right? So where did that thought come from? Where did that unction come from within you? all right, if it's not the Holy Spirit, all right, if it, maybe it's this thought to do something kind for your spouse, or to do something good for your kids, or any of those, I don't know, there's, there's a thousand different ways to think about, uh, you know, the interaction, and how the Holy Spirit works within us, and how he leads us, and sometimes we just kind of bro these things off, like, yeah, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just crazy, maybe, you know, maybe it's, I don't know, they probably don't need it. They're probably doing fine. You know, we, we come up with all of these excuses not to do, and all this is is the Holy Spirit guiding us in things, all right? You just, you never know that, that, that little voice inside, okay, that little voice inside that's speaking to you that's kind of nudging you in a direction. And We begin to doubt it. We begin to question it. We don't even realize it, that it's the, it's the guidance of the Holy Spirit within us. Okay. Now, one of the things that we do know is this, is that um, the Holy Spirit, and, and Jesus even said this, and we were reading this in, in John chapter 14, the Holy Spirit will never lead you to do something that contradicts the word of God. Okay? It will never happen. So, in uh, Jesus even said this. He said, the Holy Spirit will come to remind you of everything that I have said. Okay? The Holy Spirit will come to you. Now, listen, this is the reason why meditation on God's word is important, okay? Because if you don't know God's word in your mind, the Holy Spirit can't remind you of what he said, right? Okay, so if you don't know the scripture in your mind, then the Holy Spirit can't remind you because it's not in your mind right now, okay? So it has to be in your mind in order for the Holy Spirit to be able to remind you. And that's the reason why it's important to learn the scripture, all right? I can't tell you how many times, whether it's I'm preaching or whether I'm talking one-on-one with people or whether I'm trying to, to witness somebody or trying to help somebody and, and I'm there. And all of a sudden, while we're in the middle of this dialogue, these verses start popping up in my mind, right? Well, what is this, okay? This is the Holy Spirit bringing back to remembrance everything that Jesus said, the things that I've committed to my memory, all right? That I can I can I can make sure that I say the things that need to be said, all right. So that's what he does. But the Holy Spirit will never lead you to do things, okay? That God has told you not to do things, all right. When God's word is spoken about something, the Holy Spirit will never lead you to do it, all right. And this happens though sometimes people actually will use that, you know, use the Holy Spirit. It's the reason why Paul Paul wrote in Ephesians, he says. That if anyone comes and preaches a gospel different than what we have given to you, may, be, may they be eternally condemned. Even even if it was an angel of light that came to bring a message that was different, may they be eternally condemned. Why? Because um, it's that what is the, the canon of Scripture um, is, is is how we we line everything else up. Okay. So you know if if somebody wants to blame the Holy Spirit for cheating on their spouse. I'm just going to tell you it wasn't the Holy Spirit, right? Like, we, we know the ability to discern the difference. When, when the Holy Spirit's encouraging you to encourage somebody, all right, we could say, man, well, the Bible says encourage one another all, you know, even more as we see the day approaching. So what the Holy Spirit's encouraging me to do actually lines up with God's word. So I think this is the Holy Spirit telling me something to do. But if the Holy Spirit says, hey, you know what? I think you married the wrong person, and this person over here will be much better for you. They're even more spiritual. They even love God more than your spouse right now. I think you'd be happier over here. Listen, what well, the Bible already says, okay? So it ain't the Holy Spirit. It ain't the Holy Spirit telling you to do that. Why, why is this? Why is this so significant? I, there, there's there's going to be a one of the things that I want to do at some point here. I want to preach a sermon called the gray zone, right? Are you familiar with the gray zone? Anybody familiar with the gray zone? No, I'm, I'm the only one, right? All right. So the gray zone is um, all the non-essential, what you would say, non-essential doctrinal beliefs or beliefs about morality or whatever, right? Because there is some gray. The Bible doesn't say thou shalt not watch, watch a rated R movie, right? I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't say thou shalt not watch a PG-13 movie or thou shalt not listen to this kind of music or thou shalt not, what you know, uh, drink up or, you know, smoke cigarettes or whatever it is you want to, I guess, however far you want to go down that line, whatever it is. there There are gray areas in our life, okay? The Bible doesn't say thou shalt not go to a party, you know, where bad things are happening. Because going doesn't make you a bad person necessarily. And, and so there's a lot of great, there's even great area as it relates to obeying the voice of God in our life. So, for example, um, there's, um, um, there, there's scripture that supports like, for, for example, so Bible says, uh, be still and, and know that I am God. No, those, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength all right, and rise up like wings of eagle, and then Jesus said, "The kingdom of Huffers, uh the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force, so what are we supposed to do are we supposed to wait or are we supposed to go take it by force? Are we supposed to like sit back and wait for God we just, you know, so there 's this uh, thing: the Bible talks a lot about generosity and giving and giving giving, but the Bible also talks about saving, saving saving right so where uh, wh- where 's where's the line here where, wh- what is it that we 're supposed to do? You know, so the Bible talks about giving to people in need, but it also talks about like helping people work who aren't working who need, right? You know, so where where's the balance in our life between, uh, you know, following this one voice versus following this? There's just areas in our life where, and it's not contradictions. What it, what it is is that, it, you know, I think that God doesn't want us to have, you know, the ABCs, you know, of everything that we do in our life. Otherwise, it will become like a 12-step program for us. And, and then it will become merited based upon how good we are and how well we're able to follow the law as opposed to being spirit-led in our life, right? So in those moments where the Bible is not clear, okay, we're supposed to be being led by the spirit. Should I watch this movie? Should I listen to this music? Should I be going and doing this? Should I be hanging out with these people, Right? So we know, like in another example, we know that Jesus was a friend of sinners. But Corinthians says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. That's not just talking about relationships. That's talking about friendships. So what is it? We're supposed to be friends with him like Jesus? Or we're not supposed to be friends with him like Paul, Paul says. And, and But the issue is, is that we're supposed to be led by the Spirit and the Spirit will guide us in all things, all right? So that maybe we become a friend with this person who's an unbeliever because we are friends with a purpose, because the Holy Spirit has guided me into this person's life so that I can influence them. And it's not like, well, I just want to hang out with all these people because they have fun. I just want to have fun. and and, And God just don't want me to have fun. This is the reason why the Holy Spirit's guidance in our life is the most important, right? So that every area of our life, we become spirit-led in everything that we do. Romans, not even Romans chapter 8, it's, it's other chapters that talks about that Then everything that we do in our life, that we're supposed to be led by the Spirit. Alright? Not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. Alright? Those who are led by the Spirit. And in everything that we do, the Holy Spirit should be guiding us in our lives. All right? And this has everything to do with His indwelling uh, His indwelling presence inside of us. Even Jesus made this statement all right, before, before he went away. He said, My sheep know my voice. Okay? My sheep know my voice, right? And the more we yield ourselves to this inner voice, the more we are apt to walk in the spirit throughout our lives. You know, it's really a difficult thing to swallow. The idea that Romans says, those that are led by the spirit of God are sons of God, okay? It's a really difficult verse to swallow if we consider ourselves to be Christian but we recognize the lack of leadership the Holy Spirit has in our life. If we consider ourselves to be Christian, but we're not being led by the Spirit of God, how does that that work? So the Bible says that if you're a son of God, if you are a believer, if you're a Christ follower, you're going to be led by the Spirit. And if we consider ourselves to be a Christ follower, but we're not being led by the Spirit, how do we... How do we reconcile that verse to our own life? How do we reconcile that verse to the way that we live and the things that we do, the way that we talk, whether or not we're being led by the Holy Spirit in our life? I think one of the major things that I wanted to do, and Rob, if you'll come, or whoever's uh, going to... I think one of the the major things that I wanted to do this morning was I wanted to heighten your awareness of the role that the Holy Spirit is supposed to play in your life. Heighten your awareness to the role that the Holy Spirit is supposed to play in your life. In Romans chapter eight, verse twenty six, it says this right here. Um, it says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So again, you remember I told you Romans chapter 8, so it's just got a, a tremendous amount of stuff. Paul here is talking about how the Spirit, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, right? <clears throat> and what, what is our weakness? What is your weakness? What What is the weakness, what is the weak areas of your life? You see, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, one of the things I find interesting here is when Paul goes on, he actually defines what his weakness is, right? He defines his weakness. He says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with groans too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Right? So, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. So Paul here describes his weaknesses that sometimes he just doesn't know what to pray for. Sometimes he just doesn't know what to pray for. You know, I don't know, like if I sat here and talked about my weakness, it probably wouldn't be like trying to figure out what to pray for. Like, you know, Paul's like way super spiritual. I just, sometimes I just don't know what to pray for. Uh but but there's truth to that, right? There's truth to the fact that, that even, even if you take weakness that far, that's part of the problem. Part of the problem is, is that we assume that we know what needs to be prayed for. But sometimes you don't. So when you pray for your kids, how do you know how to pray for them? When you pray for your spouse, how do you know how to pray for them? When you pray for your coworkers, how do you know... What to pray for them, when you pray for yourself, how do you know what to pray for, right? You go to God, God, just give me a million dollars, please. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, don't give him a million. He, he can't handle it yet. He's not ready for that yet. But you're like, but please, God. You know when, when I, it was you know when I was in youth ministry we, we would talk about this and it would always be like guys I, I, like you pray and ask God to let that girl like you how do you know that you really want to be with that girl how do you know that that girl is really God's best for you right so the thing that I'm, I'm trying to say is that even when you pray for your own life and you pray good things for your future, how do you even know that that is God's will for your life? How do you know that that's God's perfect will for your life? You see, you can't know. uh, you, You just, you don't know the mind of Christ. You don't know the mind of God in every circumstances. There are things that we can know as it relates to, you know, biblical knowledge and what has already been spoken but there are certain things in our life, like, should I get this new job? Should I move to this new place? Should I go to this church? Should I, should I be a part of it? Should I be friends here? Should I, all of these, these decisions in life that we could be making that the Bible doesn't really specifically say. The way that we find leadership in these areas is through the, the voice of the Holy Spirit. He speaks to our nature and guides us in all things. Right? And the way that we have to do that is that we have to understand that you can't just pray for things, all right, that are in your mind, believing and hoping that they're the best for you just because you think that they're the best for you. So the Bible says is what, what Paul is saying here in Romans. He's saying that that we are to pray in the spirit, okay? And so we're going to have to talk about this on another day because this is a new sermon. Pray, what does it mean to pray in the spirit? What does it mean to pray in the spirit? Because when we pray in the spirit, listen. Every time you pray in the spirit, you are praying the perfect will of God. Every time you pray in the spirit, why? Because you remember what Romans said right here—that the Holy Spirit knows what's in the will of what's in the mind of God. The Holy Spirit knows. Okay, what's in the mind of God for you? So, when we pray, so listen, one of the ways that He helps us in our weakness is that we pray, we learn to pray in the Spirit. And when we pray in the Spirit, we begin to pray the perfect will of God over every circumstance in our life or the people around us, the people that we love, whatever, okay? Jesus said he will be our counselor. He will be our teacher. He will be our guide. He will be our helper. Why is it that we don't acknowledge his presence more in our lives than we do? When's the last time you ever acknowledged the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life? His indwelling presence in your life. Jesus went away. He went away so that he could send one, the promised one. The promised one. The one that would would change the world. Change the world. Why? Because now it's not just one person doing all these incredible things. Now it's billions of people who are filled with the Holy Spirit and following the Holy Spirit in their lives that everywhere they go, everything that they do, every interaction that they have, they're being spirit-led. How should I talk to this person? How should I interact? What should I say? What should I do today? When you wake up in the morning, do you ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, guide me today. When you wake up in the morning, do you get up and say, I know it's, it's more glamorous and glorious right now than it is when you normally wake up in the morning, right? You got bedhead and funky breath and all that kind of stuff. You're kind of tired. You're just trying to get your bearings straight so when you stand up, you don't fall back down again. But in that moment, can you, can you take some time before you head out on your day to interact with all these people in the world? How often do we recognize the Holy Spirit in our life? Holy Spirit, that you have your way, your place in my life to guide me, to lead me in all things so that I can walk in righteousness before the Lord, so that I can be everything that God desires me to be. Will you stand to your feet this morning?